0: Entering the Freedom Hut.
1: The cost of COVID wrongness. Schools shut down for no reason. Small businesses decimated. Plus, election battlefield Georgia. Pennsylvania legal fights continue. And China lied. CNN helped.
0: Buck Sexton. Mission: decoding the news. And disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of NYPD. Like I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. It is dawning upon more people than ever that the mass hysteria aided and abetted, if not created by the mass media, around COVID-19 has a lot of really negative consequences. We, we've known about the, the pain and frustration for a while, but all along you've been told that it was because you were making a necessary trade-off. Right? The overreach, the tyrannical mandates, all of these things that I've been complaining about from the very beginning, they told you the consensus opinion that was forced upon you was that all of this is fine because it's necessary, because you're getting more than you give in this process. It's about protecting your very life, they say. But if that's really the approach someone takes, if they say that whatever their mandates are, whatever the rules are they're coming up with on the fly, whatever the ad hoc regulations are that they create out of thin air, it is saving not just your life, But the lives of those around you and therefore you're not even allowed to say I'm willing to take risks that these regulations are meant to protect me from. You're never able to stop them. You can't push back effectively. What can you do? If you if you look, I mean, you'll see the insanity is on display. I mean, you you can actually find things in the mainstream press that really go down, uh, really go down into the depths of. A, a form of mass hysteria and mental illness. I mean, the COVID lockdown or mentality is a form of mass hysteria for sure, and it can quickly transform into mental illness. The Detroit, uh, Detroit Free Press has a piece here. COVID has turned breathing into a deadly event and all of us into potential serial killers. That's the Detroit Free Press. Now, that's a relatively serious publication that's taking the position that by breathing you could be murdering people. Now, this is insane, and it's time that we tell everybody who's going, oh, I'm so terrified, I can't handle anybody breathing. Stop it. Enough. We all live with uncertainty. We all live with the constant risk of disease. You can cut yourself shaving and die of a staph infection, but it doesn't mean that you refuse to get out of your bed in the morning. There are reasonable changes we, we make to behavior. There are reasonable trade-offs, and then there are unreasonable ones. And what we see with COVID-19 policy in this country is a lot of unreasonable mandates, a lot of choices that are made for us that do not bring the promised benefits. An excellent example of this, shutting down schools. There was never, there was never reason based on the numbers and the data to believe that shutting down schools was necessary. And yet, during an election year, we all know that this was fraught with politics all along, infused with partisanship. During an election year, we were told that it was necessary to protect our children. Nancy Pelosi last summer, hi, ah, it's, it's for the children. No, it wasn't. It was for the teachers' unions. It was so that people who are adults could stay at home and receive paychecks, And the union could say, see what we did for you guys. Now we're going to keep taking those union dues and you're going to be even happier about it. Or less angry about it. There was never a basis for this. There was never data to show. And this is what I I want to start with that issue. There are others as well. There was never data to show that children were at risk from this disease. There was never data to show that they were likely to spread it to adults. Didn't exist. It was all just a fear and panic response. Where was the great sainted Dr. Fauci during all of this? Well, sometimes he wanted schools to close. Maybe sometimes he wasn't sure. Look at the data. Look at the data. The data was obvious, but he didn't want the worship of Fauci to change. And he's one of many of these public health experts who have completely failed us. I mean, they are the equivalent now. Of the democracy spreaders in the in the Middle East, the think tank armchair warriors who thought, oh, if we invade Iraq, then there'll be a flowering of democracy throughout the region. And it's going to be this whole great new future. Wasn't true. Catastrophically wrong. Our public health class in this country, who are really bureaucrats, many of whom barely even practice medicine anymore and haven't for decades. They have been stunningly, shockingly, irreparably wrong. And schools is just one of the best examples. Do you think they apologize to the people who were right on this? Do you think they say, wow, maybe you're not just some uh, COVID denier because you thought, hold on a second. If Europe has kept schools open the whole time and children are fine, maybe we could do the same thing. Where did they have school shutdowns and show that it was necessary and that it was a a good policy directive? Nowhere. But you see, it was the choice that allowed the left and the lockdowners to say that they were the serious ones about this issue. They were the ones that were taking the necessary action. And Trump, who wanted schools open as of last summer, was an evil buffoon who wanted to inject bleach into veins or whatever it is. Right. Just the usual garbage. And there's a real consequence from all of this. Children have been left behind children are suffering developmental damage psychological stress loneliness separation from peers there's a lot of child abuse that will not be caught because usually the number one place for child abuse to be seen and stopped is by teachers in school that's why they have automatic reporting mandates so there's a tremendous amount of downside what was the upside oh that's right No sense of normality returning in the fall for millions of families and helpful to Joe Biden's election prospects. Let's be honest about this. You know, the petrified weirdo hiding in the basement for most of the summer needed all the help he can get. We know that. I'm not even talking about the election fraud stuff. We'll get into that. But this was useful to him. Therefore, they pretended it was the better decision. And of course it wasn't. Small businesses, if you look right now, you won't see a lot of reporting on this, which is fascinating because it's affecting millions and millions of people. Small businesses in major cities in particular across America have been decimated. In fact, really worse than decimated because it's more than one tenth of them that have been destroyed. Small businesses in New York City that have closed permanently, they estimate it's about a third of them And over the course of this winter, it'll be more like half if this continues. In New York City alone, that's thousands, if not tens of thousands, of businesses that employ people that people have worked years, sometimes even decades, to build up. They're gone. But you see, our media class and the elites, they live in large, comfortable homes with plenty of delicious food brought to them via these delivery services. They can you know, Skype and sit on social media all day, do whatever they've got to do. It's not their problem. They, they don't need these small businesses to be open. They don't need a small business to uh, pay their rent. And they get to feel like they're the great heroes of the battle against COVID. Meanwhile, all of these regulations, the ones that have shut down schools, the ones that have shut down businesses, the ones that tell you you aren't allowed to leave your home. All of them should be questioned on constitutional grounds for sure. And that was what I was talking about mostly yesterday. I think this is disgraceful government overreach. Certainly shutting down churches is is plain letter of the law constitutional violation. I don't know where the government gets the authority to tell you you can't leave your home because there's some risk of some virus out there somewhere. But there are millions of not very freedom conscious Americans who don't seem to care. But does this stuff even work before we get drawn deeper into the winter, before we have more of these negative outcomes, the destruction wrought by bad decision making? Can we at least have an open discussion because we have a lot of data that shows we've done this in the past and it did not have the intended effect? At what point are we allowed to say if it doesn't have the intended effect, maybe we shouldn't still be doing this thing? I would say it's now. I would say it's long past the point where we should be taking that approach. Dr. Rand Paul, also a member of the United States Senate, certainly agrees. Play clip five.
2: Well, really, what we should do with Dr. Fauci is sit him down and show
3: him the evidence on lockdowns. When you look at lockdowns and you look at the mandates, whether they're masks or whether they're how many people go to a restaurant or how many people can gather, and you look at when the mandates were instituted around the world, country after country, guess what? The virus rises exponentially after the mandates. Right now, we have more mandates in place than we've ever had. We have more mask wearing than we've ever had. And yet the incidence of the disease is exploding Really, maybe showing us that what we're doing is not
1: working. working. We ought to be open-minded. At a minimum, the mandates are not working, and people that are arguing that are just living in a fantasy. Theoretically, could you could you claim you know in science they'll often talk about with with different uh, medical devices and and uh, you know people who take drugs for certain things. You'll talk sometimes about perfect usage versus normal human error. There is no perfect usage of a mandate. That has to do with locking down and mask wearing and all this stuff. People are always gonna be making mistakes, either intentional or accidental. There is no perfect usage. But even within that, we have pretty damn good compliance with all of this. And yet, there's really no case to be made based on the data that it's working. And shouldn't that be enough for us to at least reevaluate what's happening here? Shouldn't that be enough for us to say, hold on a second. Why continue to do these things that have real costs? And I haven't even gotten into the drug abuse and the suicides and the depression and the massive weight gain, which makes you more vulnerable to covid. All these things that are happening across the nation and we're told, oh, but don't worry about it. That doesn't matter. Listen to Dr. Fauci. He'll keep you safe. It's a lie. These morons are wrong. Accept it. Think about it on your own and you will come to that conclusion. They cannot protect you. Their annoying rules are just the blathering of bureaucrats. It's not going to help and it's going to for sure. And that's why I want to lead with this, create a whole lot of problems and stress and misery and damage all across the country. The time for this fight is now, not in 60 or 90 days. This isn't, oh, let's give them another shot. Maybe it'll work this time. We have to shut down the lockdowners or they're going to destroy millions of lives. That's what's happening. Oh, I know they think they'll turn around and then the government will make everything better. Do you believe that you think if your business is shut down forever, the government's going to make your life better? They're going to come in and fix everything for you. I'm going to pay all the back rent, going to deal with all the lost inventory, the lost sales, employees that have gone to other jobs. Now, I understand the false choice that we've been given here is, well, Buck, yes, those are bad things. But think of all the lives we're saving. We're not saving lives. People are still going to stores. They're still seeing other human beings. There's still intrafamilial transmission. There's no reason to believe that these policies are doing anything that helps us. Where's the data set? What are they going to show us? All you see everywhere are mask mandates and lockdowns and up, 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 up. More and more cases. It's obvious. But the people that demanded this stuff and called you a serial killer for breathing like the true psychopaths they are. You think they're going to admit what a bunch of morons they are at this stage? No, of course not. They believe the science. Some of us have seen this for what it is all along. Others continue to to peddle the consensus science delusion because science is not about consensus. It's about what is provable and factual and real and repeatable. Unfortunately, what we're about to repeat are the same mistakes of the past. Let's go into another lockdown, another freeze, as they call it in some places, suffer all of the downside. What's the upside? We don't know, but they just tell you, shut up and do what you're told. I'd rather not, not this
0: time. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. It's astounding how many people in certain parts of the country still think this is a host or this is fake news. When you have a quarter of a million people in this country, more than a quarter of a million who've already died, and more than 13 million have been infected, and yet there's still people who believe this is not an important issue.
1: How much would you want to bet that Dr. Fauci's homepage for his computer is CNN.com? You know, for his personal computer, what, what would you want to bet? I can tell you that much. H- how much do you want to bet that he reads ABC News, CNN, and probably PBS a hundred times more often than he does Fox News or anything on the right? We, we know who this guy is. Okay, he's a government bureaucrat. He's the James Comey. Of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease. That's who he is. So we should come to the obvious conclusion here. We should stop trying to delay and hope that maybe he's not that guy. He is that guy. That's who he is. And that's why he says things. It sounds like I'm watching some of the semi literate morons who go on CNN all the time to just give their opinions on things. These people are not smart, but they do what they're told, they do what the bosses want them to do. They're not intellectually curious, they're not intellectually rigorous but they present as somebody who maybe knows something because of all the hair and makeup and lighting, and we're supposed to listen to them. Fauci might as well be sitting among them going, yeah, you're right. Yeah, all those, all those Trump voters who deny COVID say it's a hoax. I've never met anybody who thinks that COVID-19, meaning the virus that causes all of these terrible problems, is not real. And yet you, all, you hear this from CNN. They'll even put a nurse on TV who will trash a now dead patient saying that, you know, he or she was claiming there was no COVID as she was dying from COVID. But this gets him a lot of praise from the libs who watch CNN. Oh, look at Dr. Fauci. He knows all those Trump people who are denying COVID. Yeah. Have you met have you met anybody that thinks that there's no such thing as COVID-19? I, I have not. Yes. Are there people that believe the media use it for political reasons? I'm one of them. Other people who believe that it's exaggerated as a the data shows that people who listen to Fauci and watch CNN who are under the age of 50 have about a 30 times the actual rate sense of what the death, uh, what the mortality numbers are for this. So if you're a 45 year old who watches CNN and thinks he or she's really smart and yeah, Anderson Cooper, fake tapper, these are the really good journos, according to polling. You basically overestimate the death rate of COVID-19 by 30 times. But that's normal. That's uh, that, that, that's a, a really well-informed person. No, I don't think so. Why does why does this guy Fauci think Trump should fire him at this point? What's he got to lose? Fire him. Fire him with prejudice. Say this guy was a disaster and put out. All the things he said that were not true and that we all agree now are not true. All the decisions he made that were wrong, all the bad guidance. And the reason the left was obsessed with this guy, the reason libs who haven't read a book, never mind believe the science, think he's some kind of a genius. It's because he was useful for being a thumb in the eye of the Trump administration all the time. That's it.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right, we're now all happy and cheery, and we're going to come together and we're doing gift buying, and we're going to do holiday celebrations. We're going to start to have meals together. The family's coming back together for the holiday season. Students are all coming home. Religious celebrations during the holiday season. Yeah, COVID is the Grinch. Think of it that way. The COVID Grinch is an opportunist. The COVID Grinch sees this as the season of viral transmission. All those things that the holiday season brings, they all increase social activity, they all increase mobility, and they will all increase viral transmission. This is the season of the COVID Grinch also. When you hear that holiday music, Marsha, think. Do sing it again. Think. COVID Grinch, be on alert because that is part of this holiday season.
1: The COVID Grinch is coming for you, Cuomo says. Be scared of the COVID Grinch. But I have another thought here for you. I think it's important for you to know that it's really the Cuomo Grinch. What do I mean by the Cuomo Cuomo Grinch? The Cuomo Grinch is a very dumb but power-mad politician who takes it upon himself to destroy a wonderful state like New York, but then write a book about how terrible he is but says that he's good. That's the Cuomo Grinch. I think Cuomo is the Grinch, in case that didn't come across. I think the people that have been wrong all along here and know that they'll be never taken seriously again if they reverse course at this point, So what do they do? They double down. More restrictions, more lockdowns. Uh, It's like I've told you all along. Just go back uh, a week or so. If you want You listen to some of the shows I did right before Thanksgiving, it wasn't going to be just Thanksgiving. Right. So why they pretend? Why do they keep doing this? Two more weeks, they say. Just this day. Just this holiday. Don't see anyone. Don't do anything. Well, it's because if they told us what they really want, which is. Don't do anything for at least the next 90 days. Don't see anybody. Only go for the bare essentials, the grocery store. If you can send somebody else in your place. And that's for the whole country. That's not place by place, area by area. It's for everybody. New York City had effectively zero COVID risk to folks over the summer. I mean, close to zero, I should say. It was not really a problem health wise. And everyone was still running around with masks on. We had all these mandates and all these challenges. So, okay, what does that tell us? Tells us that this is not based in what's really happening. It's based in a narrative that there are people who believe quite clearly that the more they do in terms of the extreme responses to this, the better they are as people. But they also don't really do it themselves. They just want to make sure you do it right. So they're on board for the extreme stuff. But behind closed doors, we find out. Again and again, they're not really going to do these things, right? They just want you to do it. This is a perfect example of it. Just hours after L.A. County Supervisor uh, Sheila cool I don't know how you say her name, Quell Cool banned outdoor dining. She voted to ban outdoor dining in Los Angeles County, and she described it as a, quote, most dangerous situation... Hours after she voted to cancel outdoor dining because it was so dangerous, the Fox affiliate in L.A. found out and has proof that she dined outdoors at Il Forno Trattoria in Santa Monica. It's a nice place. That's what you're dealing with. That's the essence of the lockdowner. Give a big speech about how, oh, it's so dangerous. Don't go outside to eat. Don't see your loved ones. Don't hug anybody. And we're going to bring the state down on your head. We're going to arrest you if you try. And then they go, hmm, pasta. I'm going to go get some spaghetti. And they sit outdoors and they ignore all of it. That's what happens. And how many times you have to see this occur before everyone just realizes this is our reality. There is no other reality. There's no other way that these individuals are dealing with this. They want rules for you that they do not want for themselves. Simple. 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 Just like Marxists, right? Oh, it's all about the redistribution of wealth, and people don't need more than exactly what they need. We're going to take from you to give it to others. But I mean, the people who run that system are always getting better health care, living in big houses, have near unlimited power, right? That's the way. That's the real way. I mean, they're the elite. The elite has to be living a better life than you. You're supposed to sacrifice for the greater good, they're supposed to be the greater good. They live the greater good. Ah. So, yeah, just another one. I mean, I've never heard of this L.A. County supervisor before, but I thought you should hear it, that this is uh, we could sit here all day and just talk about all the examples. I mean, Gavin Newsom, that the French laundry and that's just in California. Countless times we've seen this play out. You know, how many funerals were allowed for John Lewis when the pandemic was really raging through Georgia? But, you know, you don't need to quarantine if you went to that. You're safe from the virus If you went to that. Now, the virus doesn't care about government business. The virus doesn't care about someone's legacy. But you're seeing all the hypocrisy, really, all of the dysfunctions of the liberal mind are on display during this whole thing, their inability to think for themselves, their rejection of universally uh, applied principle, their embrace of hypocrisy, their obsession with virtue signaling. You're seeing everything you need right now on this one issue from Libs to understand how they approach everything. It's a mindset. It's their view of the world. It's what their political philosophy mixed with their cultural influences mixed with their sense of self all put together gives you this people who act like there wasn't a big debate over whether to close schools or not and act like they weren't wrong. The school closers were wrong full stop. Period. As Joe Biden likes to say. But now now they're going to go to the other the other side of this as well and start to say, fine, you think you're going to live your life, irrespective of the mandates? Think again. We're going to shame you now and to continue to obey us, even though a rational view of this would tell you that we don't know what the hell we're doing. Play 16.
4: You want to be a tough guy, guy being gender neutral? I'll tell you what a tough guy does. Go volunteer in a field hospital in Staten Island and help COVID patients if you're a tough guy. You want to celebrate Thanksgiving? Bring your whole family and your extended family and go volunteer in a hospital and help COVID people. That's how you celebrate Thanksgiving. Don't create more COVID-positive people and then expect other people to come to your rescue. That's not the spirit of Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, so so we should all then go and... Add to the people exposed to COVID in a nosocomial setting, a hospital infection setting. Hospital infection. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant idea, right? And I'll also point out to you, you, see what those, you see what healthcare providers who are really dealing with COVID patients, you see how they're all suited up and the procedures they go through? You'll notice it's not a bandana around their face. Yeah, almost like the people that really have to make the calls about this that really have to get it right, understand that hmm, wearing that gator around your nose and mouth, if you're going to be in close contact with people who have COVID on a regular basis, is insufficient. But that's so strange, because I thought that they were more effective even than a vaccine, according to the head of the CDC. And no intelligent person, if they get a vaccine that's over 95% effective, is going to be going around particularly worried about COVID anymore, right? But they're not just wearing the masks. Hmm. You see, it's it's all it's all just this funhouse mirror existence we're dealing with now. Nothing is what it seems. What they tell you is not true. What they tell you is false is true. They are just they're so used to having a society that is politicized and emotional and angry and disoriented that we'll just do whatever we will do whatever they say. We'll do whatever they say. See, what Cuomo never factors in, what none of these people that are telling you what to do factor in, is that for every person that their mandates might prevent from being around other people, there are a thousand people, maybe 10,000 people who are healthy, can't give it to anyone, have no risk whatsoever, and their lives are being infringed on. So this this is why the quarantine the healthy plan, that which is at the essence of lockdown, was such a travesty from the very beginning because now it's we live in a society where everyone has to act like they have covid all the time that's the policy it's not if you're sick if you get a test that's positive it's everybody we're all acting like we have covid all the time dr burke said if you travel and she kind of let this one out by the way she's not really any better than fauci disappointed in her too uh act like you have covid if you traveled yeah, that's really helpful right now, isn't it? That's really helpful. Act like you have COVID if you traveled. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I traveled to North Carolina, was at a large event with hundreds of people. I told them I, I was willing to wear a mask because there were a lot of senior citizens there. And I didn't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> uncomfortable. I didn't want anyone to be in a position where they could be at risk. So I came back, though, and, I, and they said, OK, we're going to send you for a COVID test. I went to my went to my GP, send me for a COVID test. And they wanted me to be in this very long line of people, including a line that stretched indoors, full of people getting tested for covid. I'm just going to put this out there. Being in a line with people worried about having covid when I'm pretty damn sure I don't have covid isn't exactly a great covid prevention strategy, is it? But whatever you do, they don't want you to think for yourself. They don't want you to do anything other than what you're told. Obey is the sum total now of their covid policy. Obey people like Governor Cuomo and Governor Newsom and Whitmer. Listen to Nancy Pelosi, who last summer was saying that shutting down schools was about the children. I mean, she is a she's a conniving moron. Successful in what she does because she's so dumb and ruthless that she'll do whatever it takes.
0: You're in the freedom, Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show Podcast.
3: Yeah. What's the latest is Joe Manchin needs to go have a discussion with Nancy Pelosi, who has been fundamentally unserious in a way that's irresponsible and, quite frankly, disgusting, that she resumes the House, puts the House back in session. And what are the bills she puts forward uh, about legalizing marijuana, about going after Tiger King and and, and regulating uh, the the, um, use of tigers instead of focusing on the American people and the relief that's needed? Her stimulus bill was chock full of, guess what, mail-in voting regulations regulations to try to secure Democrat power in the halls of Congress, while this president said, Nancy Pelosi, you won't negotiate with me? Well, guess what? I'll do protections from evictions. I'll do more funding uh, for, for unemployment insurance via executive order. He's been serious, while Nancy Pelosi has been derelicting in her duty, and she does not deserve to be Speaker
0: ever again.
1: It's true she doesn't deserve to be Speaker, but in the Democrat circles, unfortunately, all of Pelosi's perfidious conduct, all of her disgraceful actions are actually a selling point. She'll do whatever to get what her side wants, whatever suffering is necessary. Those of you who haven't gotten checks, despite the fact that your business has suffered, that you may be out of a job because of government policy, not because of you, because of what the government decided for you. No different than if they sent in FBI agents that said, sorry, too too dangerous for you to be running this lawnmower store. Got to shut it down. Right. So the government owes you. But if you haven't gotten a check in quite a while and if you've been waiting for that assistance and haven't received it, I think it's important that you understand that it's because Nancy Pelosi has priorities and you are not one of them. Any American, not one of them. She wants things for her side. She has power in her sights and anything that would get in the way of that, anything that would slow that down is a problem. It's something that she views as well. It must it must be removed from the equation. And that's why we don't have a covid relief bill. That's why we don't have uh, the funding going out there that that should have already happened. But it's not. And because they're also so focused on trying to break Trump and his supporters. Now, this is a whole other component of, of our discussion today. You know, there's there's the realities of the voter fraud and the irregularities and just the shock of what we're supposed to accept here from this Biden, this alleged Biden victory. And then there's also the we remember 2016 and not just for a few weeks after the election. We remember what they did for the entirety of Trump's time in office so, you know, they can say all of these things and they're doing it now. And they're, you know, the the viewers, the lib viewers of these moron shows on CNN and and ABC. I mean, the view really, uh, you know, it would be really fun to play like a game of not even trivial pursuit. Just let's give everyone on the view a, a fifth grade civics test and see how they do that. That would be something I'd really like to see. But they still weigh in on all this and they tell the left, they tell the Democrats what they want to hear. Uh, here's one of the hosts, Sonny Hostin, with the usual play play thirteen.
5: They really- Attacked black constituents, black voters. That was that was the plan, and it just didn't work. Probably because of people like Latasha Brown and Stacey Abrams, right? So
3: I think that's where some of the surprise is coming from. Um, and I, I think you know it's also fascinating. He, he just needs to go to Losers Anonymous. Like he is 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 really in a psychosis right now. And I'm surprised that the people around him, like his daughter, like Jared Kushner, who somehow is on his way to the Middle East. I, I don't understand why he has to go to the Middle East today. But um, or, or this week, I, I think that they need to stage some sort of intervention at this point, because he is now damaging the Republican Party even further with with all of this rhetoric.
1: We're not worried about that. Thanks. Thanks for the advice. First of all, she says that there was an attack on black voters from Trump. Trump just set the 60 year GOP record for black support in a presidential election. OK, so I, I don't think that the, the media, you notice They were saying something before, clearly was dumb analysis. They don't know what they're talking about. And now they just stay with the same thing. Why why admit you were wrong when you can just keep telling your idiot viewers the same thing? But that Trump needs to go to Losers Anonymous. Do they think we don't remember that they they did so much worse than claim fraud in election? They used deep state Hillary Clinton acolytes, operatives. And they then ran a, a coup operation against the president from within his own government. And they got the establishment of this special counsel and all of this. Th- they really think we don't remember. They really think that we're going to forget that. As far as I'm concerned, the more these lawsuits and the more these challenges aggravate the libs, you know, annoy them, make them feel like their victory wasn't as clean as they, they want to pretend it was Good. Deal with it, Libs. We're dealing with the fact that you want us to believe Biden won 80 million votes.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: A lot of what the media insists you believe is in direct opposition to what you observe. You have to remember this. You have to keep this in the back of your mind. Uh, We'll use the term gaslighting for this, which is a a good one. It's accurate. But you should remember that they they have a particular fondness for trying to get liberals, people on the left to believe things that no person who's paying attention to what they actually notice and observe could think is true. But what what a great way to establish your control over individuals. What a great way to mobilize when you have them uh, pretending that. Their own senses cannot be trusted that whatever you tell them is what's most important. And and I know this is a, a little thing. I, I know this is not some uh, major national security issue, but I, I thought it was worth taking a break for a second from all these intense COVID issues and everything else to talk about it. There was this uh, this kicker at Vanderbilt. You know, I, I almost went to Vanderbilt. I probably should have. I think I would have had a much better time there. A little bit less of a left wing. I know it's liberal. All these colleges are. But I mean, Amherst. Amherst pretends to be Amherst College pretends to be a traditional enough New England college. And it's really just Commieville. I mean, just Marxist running the whole place. It's absurd. The identity politics, diversity, obsession, the hatred of America. We're basically Hitler because of our foreign policy, all that stuff. It's all at Amherst. It's all there. So I would hope that Vanderbilt, I don't know, maybe it's just as bad now. Anyway, there's this kicker, Sarah Fuller. And she was the first, I don't don't even know. I'm just going to tell you this and people get mad at me. I don't watch college football. It's not because maybe because I went to a small school with a terrible football team. So nobody cares. Um, But I I don't understand. If I'm going to watch football, I watch professional football. But that's me. Look, you want to watch college. That's great. I know a lot of people love college football. Uh, But this woman, Sarah Fuller, was the first female kicker to take part in a producer mark. What was it? A big pack five big eight or something what is it called the, the power five a power five conference game. power five thank you power five is that is, how good is that as a conference
6: it, the power five means the top five conferences in college football
1: okay okay yeah. so in one of the five best conferences okay which doesn't sound that impressive to me but i mean i guess it's pretty good so, I know Vanderbilt's not a particularly good school for football. That I do know. And they lost the game, I think, 40-something to nothing. I mean, it was not, not, a, good, uh, uh, you know, not, not a good moment. So, so, we're supposed to celebrate this. Now, I watched the video of the kick. And I'm not a huge football fan, but I know enough about football. I watched the video of the kick, and, and the truth is that you could have picked a person at random, an able-bodied male at random from the crowd who I think would have kicked it further. That's just fair. And I don't mean... A person who is a football player or even an athlete, I think if you pick your average, you know, 45 year old dad with a little bit of a beer belly who loves football, I think he would have kicked it further. Now, this isn't a surprise to me at all, because I also understand that male and female, male and female biology, physicality, uh, strength, bone density, all of these things are different. We are different. We are biologically distinct. I know the left wants to try to erase these things. I know the left wants to pretend that gender is just an idea. It's a social construct. This is lunacy, but it's necessary for a lot of reasons. And the Marxists have always waged war on the idea of a traditional family. And they've waged war on the idea of the separation of genders and also the bond between the genders that men and women. I mean, if you go into the the early Marxist literature, uh, First of all, a lot of these guys conducted their own lives in a horrible fashion to start with that. Um, But they don't like the idea of of a close familial bond, because as much as I may be a patriot, as much as I may love the state, I love my family more. And that's unacceptable to a radical Marxist. No, that you can't you can't have a closer bond with your family or your spouse than you do with the state. So they've been waging this long term war on on gender and on family. And it's not new. Um, but also they like to use the difference between the sexes as though there's almost a kind of wealth inequality that has to be addressed. Right. Any inequality must be addressed by the state. That's a a I guess you could call it a value. It's a it's a concept, certainly within Marxism. Right. Any inequality must be addressed. Men and women are not in the aggregate. There are some exceptions to this. And I know people like to say, oh, but I know this woman who I mean, if you're an able bodied, uh, 200 pound, six foot tall male, or even you know whatever five ten a hundred I think the average American male is like five ten a hundred and eighty pounds something like that or maybe I don't know I'm making that up but you would if you have some basic athletic skills be able to play uh, female college athletics pretty easily right that's that's just the, the fact I mean I don't go, oh no that's terrible it's I mean I remember you know men's and men's and women's crew for example I rode crew in college. And that's very straightforward. It's like track. I mean, you see the differences in the times, you see the differences in the boat speed. And, you know, if you're a decent high school rower for a man, you would be a, you know, top D1 female rower just based on times. Okay, this is, again, objective reality. It's not it's not making a judgment. I I think women's sports are great. Women's tennis is amazing. You know, uh, women's volleyball is fun to watch. I don't like the WNBA very much, but it doesn't matter. Right. I think it's great. I think women should play sports. I'm all in favor of that. That's fine. And I think that great female athletes should be celebrated as great female athletes. But they are not male athletes. And this idea that we're going to be able to combine these two things and everything's going to be normal is crazy. And what I'm what I was starting out with here by telling you that we're supposed to not observe what is so obvious and observable. When you have a a woman who who kicks the ball maybe 30 yards and we're all supposed to stand up and clap for this. And this became some big thing in the media. Oh, the first ever woman to play. Okay, she had one kick and it wasn't very good, but we're all supposed to stand and clap. I mean, you could put me in a world cup match and give me a penalty kick. And believe it or not, I'd probably score penalty kicks, not very hard to score a penalty kick. And I played a lot of soccer growing up. That doesn't mean I'm a great soccer player. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. I mean, these days I could barely move up and down the field. So why do we have to go through this? Why can't we just be honest and objective here, which is that they, they allowed a woman to play in a game where clearly she was not particularly additive. Is that, People can't handle this. Why? The broader, the broader theme here, or the more important takeaway from this, because again, I, I don't even really care about college football. And so it's not like I have some issue with that. But the bigger theme that I wanted to get to is merely that don't trust people who won't let you trust yourself. Don't listen to the media when they tell you that what you see and what you know to be true is not true. You can be open to persuasion But don't allow yourself to be browbeaten. Uh, Don't allow yourself to be coerced or pushed into rejecting things that you can tell are true or to accepting things that you know are false. Men are not women and women are not men. For example, you can get in trouble for saying that on social media. Uh, You can get in trouble now just socially in general in a whole lot of places. I don't even know how this works out. In a in a workplace situation now, I mean, if you say that, is that is that considered a offensive or uh, who knows? But it's crazy that anybody has a problem with that. It's a statement of the most objective of facts. It's like saying two plus two equals four. No, the mainstream media wants you to say it's five. And if you won't say it's five or point three or a million, there's something wrong with you. You're a bad person. If you won't stand and cheer and clap for a woman who played in a football game for kicking the for kicking the football one time, not well, there's something wrong with you. You're a misogynist. You're a bad person. Uh, There is a real war on objective reality that the liberal media and the left is engaged in, because if there is no objective reality, it's all then just a question of what they're able to control, what they're able to make you do. It doesn't matter what actually it doesn't matter what the results are. It doesn't matter what how it all plays out. They just get to tell you and your response is, yes, I will do that thing because you tell me to. If you read memoirs of some of the great dissidents in totalitarian states, I mean, Solzhenitsyn is my favorite from within the Soviet Union, but there are many others. You'll see that this is one of the one of the hallmarks of a totalitarian system that you accept as As truth something that you objectively know is false the moment that they break you down in that way the moment that all of a sudden you find yourself saying well I don't see it that way and I know that that's not true but they're all saying it so it must be now then they've got you then you'll say yeah school lockdowns are a good idea yeah your mask protects you and my mask protects me or is it just now my mask protects you I can't remember But I'll forget about what Fauci used to say. I'll forget about these studies that come out that question all of this. I'll forget about the old pandemic playbooks that all these same public health bureaucrats were signing off on for decades that said that what we're doing now is crazy. I forget all of it. That's right, friends. All you have to do for the left to embrace you and for you to be a member in good standing is to say that a female football kicker who shanks the ball 30 yards and gives it to the other team on their 40 yard line. Is some huge step forward for women. Just, just sign on to that. Just start with that, and everything else will follow.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I guess
5: if you had uh, the other team just refused to acknowledge it, and you had half the league say we're not sure it's true. You'd have a similar controversy, but when that starts happening, the game itself breaks down, right? The, the, and in, in this case, it's not a game. It's our democracy. Things our democracy apart. starts falling apart. I- imagine if going forward, every single election is treated this way at every level. Imagine if Democrats start acting this way. Is that part of the danger that he's broken the seal on that idea? That that is the concern that I think we all have. Joe Biden is going to be the next president. Kamala Harris is going to be the next vice president. But we don't want to get into a pattern where we just are willing to throw out what we've agreed to previously, including our constitutional structure, just because we find it politically expedient.
1: Oh, gee, I'm so glad we have Obama to lecture us now on the threat to our democracy because of legitimate lawsuits being filed. And now, look, when I say legitimate, I do believe that there's merit behind the lawsuits, but they're entirely legal and within the system. Right? Nothing that the Trump team has done so far, nothing that is being pushed right now is destroying or undermining the system. It is working within it. If they surrounded the courthouse with armed men and said, hey, we're now going to give you a declaration from the judge because the judges are hostage, right? Well, that obviously would be Criminal Terrorist Act, but I'm just saying that's outside the system. Sending in lawyers to bring lawsuits, that is within the system. And Obama and all these Democrats right now that are lecturing us about the good faith need to accept, for Trump to accept the loss, that's what they're saying, it's like they all assume that we're going to forget about the four years of a Trump presidency when they, I mean, they didn't just call him a Russian asset sometimes or once in a while. It wasn't whispered in certain you know, areas of, of media. This was the main opposition to President Trump for, well, three of his four years. The fourth year was really about COVID and they dropped the Russia stuff more. But for three years, it was all Russia all the time. And it was all a lie. They were saying that the president of the United States not only cheated in an election, but was a traitor. He betrayed his country. Right. You could cheat in an election and think that you're still doing, you know, if you really believed that you were the best candidate or something. I'm just saying you could delude yourself into thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't have cheated, but I'm still going to do my best for my country. Right. There's a difference between I want to be the president so badly that I'm going to stuff a ballot box and I'm working for the Chinese as a as a effectively a Manchurian candidate or the Russians as a Manchurian candidate against my own people in the United States. Right. That's a that's a whole other level. And that's where we were with the Democrats. And it was all based on lies. There was no reason to believe what they were saying. It was based on the dossier, which would be the it's really the equivalent of paying somebody to go around the Internet and scrape comment sections for whatever you can about a a famous person, a public person. And then present it to the FBI and see, look at all my amazing intel. You guys should start some FISA. And they did. And the media went with this and they pretended that it was legitimate. They acted like this was somehow a a good thing. Uh, that they were. Well, as we know, they they completely rejected the notion that Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, which in retrospect is just silly. I mean, Hillary was not likable. Hillary was not an inspiring candidate. She was Very. Corrupt. We all know this. She did all the all the things that our side, when when people on the right were saying lock her up and all this stuff, all the things that we claimed Hillary Clinton did with those emails, turned out to, in the main, be be accurate. Right, that there were classified emails. She did set up a homebrew server. She then just they destroyed evidence to try to cover this whole thing up. That was all real. And yet they still acted like there's no way that Donald Trump could have, in in a fair election, defeated Hillary Clinton. And now they want to lecture us about the damage done to our democracy. And I'm just telling you, be prepared for this. It's it wasn't really it wasn't really presented to the American people this way. But what we're seeing and you just look at all the people that are coming back and uh, this is a third Obama term. They've managed to. And that's really the way that Biden was was the pick all along for them because he is the Democrat establishment pick for this. It didn't matter who he was, but he was the vessel for a third term of Obamaism, and it was interesting. Uh, here's what Obama. Here's what Obama said about a third term. Play nine.
5: People would ask me, knowing what you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec, a, a third term? And I I used to say. You know what? If, if I could make an arrangement where I had a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony, oh. I, I'd be fine with that because I found the work fascinating. Um, I mean, I write about the... the, the uh, even in my on my worst days, I found puzzling out, you know, these big, complicated, difficult issues, especially if you were working with some great people to be uh, uh,
0: professionally really satisfying.
1: And he wrote, what is it, an almost 800 page autobiography now? How many autobiographies does this guy got to write? I, I think he's going to set a record for autobiographies. But don't pay any attention to that. He's so amazing. There, there could never be enough Obama autobiographies. But more importantly for our discussion right now, you notice that he said that uh he would like it. He likes the idea of there being an administration that would come in where he could kind of have the have a mouthpiece deliver the lines that he wants it to deliver. And who is that mouthpiece? Joe Biden, right? That's what you're going to see. You'll you'll have so many people who are Obama's consultants and advisors. Look, Jen, Jen Saki was a State Department spokesperson. Now she's going to be White House press secretary, right? It's, it's as though people are in the Obama administration, the second Obama administration. They're now getting their promotions for a third Obama administration. That's what's going to be happening. Bernie Sanders and the radical left, they're not going to be running the apparatus openly behind the scenes. They'll be pushing a lot of the agenda. But if you're going to fool 50 percent or so of the American people into thinking you're not a bunch of radical Marxist uh, socialists, what do you do? Bring in the Democrat establishment. Oh look, we know what Joe Biden's all about because he's been around forever. He couldn't be pushing any radical policies. That's going to be the pitch, but it is going to be like Obama term three, assuming that Biden doesn't actually get a very unhappy surprise with these lawsuits.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You know, I think you know. I, I would urge the president. I would urge Republicans to redirect their post-election approach here. Uh, we both have short-term and long-term challenges. If we don't, I think short-term we run the risk of, of alienating voters for our our Senate race that that is uh, coming upon us for Senator Leffler and Senator Perdue, and we need them. Uh, as a Republican, I want them in that uh, in that Senate. And long-term, I, I think we hurt the brand of our Republican Party, which is certainly bigger than one person. Uh, long-term, and, and we've got an opportunity to, to learn from some important lessons here. Uh, I think as a Republican, I've learned that an outsider and change agent can be effective in D.C. But I've also learned that communicating is important. I think we want to see as Americans, we we need to see leaders that inspire us uh, and not talk down. I think that's a lesson as Republicans. We can learn. I think we can also learn to tackle some of the big issues like immigration, uh, like health care, and not just talk about the things we don't like, but really put some big plans on the table uh, moving forward. Lessons to be learned.
1: Gee, Thanks, Georgia, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Appreciate the lecture right now. But let's remember that you are a senior Republican official in a state that should, by all accounts, have gone red and did not. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? And there are now there's an additional slew of, of lawsuits underway in Georgia. Here's the problem you have in Georgia. And you see this playing out in, in other tight states uh, where there are election irregularities. They, they did a recount, but the recount is just looking at the number of votes that they've put in the vote piles and saying, did we count those votes properly? But what you really need is an audit of how did those votes get into those piles of votes to be counted? Was it legal? And a necessary step in that process would be comparing the signatures. I had to have they compared my signature here in New York City. I remember I sat there, I signed. They had my other signature and they looked at it and they said, "Okay, you're allowed to vote now. So why would they why would they have that as an election protection in New York, but not in Georgia? Now, I understand that states vary by what they mandate, but they they were supposed to have signatures in Georgia, too. So did they match the signatures or did they just wave them all in? Part of the other a bigger part of the problem here, and this is what Pelosi and all the Democrats knew Is if you remove all safeguards from an election, the aggregate benefit would be without even having a a clear conspiracy. The aggregate benefit from removing all election safeguards would be to Democrats. Which is. Hard, a harder thing to prove, which I think is really what we're dealing with right now. There are all these different states where they got rid of signature match. They, you know, illegally on the word of the governor or the, or the lieutenant governor, or the secretary of state change voting regulations around to take votes that came in even later. They They weren't time stamped. all these different shifts. Um, but the clock is ticking. And if they don't prove, for example, here's what we need. We need to show that in Nevada or, or Arizona. I know Arizona is just certified. Uh, I know Georgia has certified. These states have all certified their election totals. Not all the states have, but Uh, the states that have certified recently, if we looked and we saw that there were thousands of uh, dead people who voted in Arizona, all we need is that. And then we can turn around and say, hey, guys, you know, 1,200 people voted voted who were dead in Arizona. We got to do this in all these other states, too. We got to see how many. But we need that. We need that proof. We need that number to fight back in this public relations battle that's going on right now. Because otherwise, he just keeps being, why won't you concede? Why won't you concede? Look at all the losses. Look at all the losses. There's no fraud. And people start to lose their will to fight. They lose their will. And what I think is so funny is is that the, the liberal analysis of this is that no one will go against Trump. Meanwhile, why, you know, now is a great time to go against Trump if you're just doing things for your own self-interest and benefit, right? Why get on the Trump train now? He's about to no longer be president, according to all the libs. So what's the... What's the harm? They say, oh, he's going to run the Republican Party for the next four years in exile. Maybe we'll see. But I think it's interesting that their analysis is that at this juncture, people are pushing for answers and and don't want the continuation of what we've seen up to this point from the media, which is just covering, you know, covering it in a way where you're a conspiracy theorist than a lunatic. If you actually want to find out where all these votes went and what really happened. Here's an MSNBC analyst uh, talking about how it's it's the only reason we want to get answers here is because we're all afraid of Trump. Play six.
5: It is remarkable to me uh, at this point, so far after the election, that we haven't seen more. I did think by this point we would have seen more elected officials uh, congratulate Joe Biden describe him as the president-elect, and it is remarkable. I mean, I know we keep, we know, it's been one of the themes of the last three and a half years of, you know, Donald Trump controlling the party and dominating the party and people being afraid to cross him, but it really is quite striking that that persists this deep into the lame duck, into the period where you would normally, you know, in any normal universe, you would have uh, everyone recognizing joe biden as the president-elect and um and moving forward it, it is quite stunning
1: it's not a normal universe we're in my friend it's COVID 19 it's mail-in balloting it's changes to voting procedures in states like pennsylvania that may very well have been unconstitutional it's not a normal year so why are we pretending like it is there's nothing normal about any of this this is not a normal election i mean if we're going to really put this into context I think we're staying within the prescribed legal processes. Sure. But this is not just just another presidential election. No, they made massive changes to how votes are cast and counted. And we had to go through a, a shift from Trump is winning to, oh, no, Joe Biden's actually going to be the next president. And we're supposed to think that this is all just fine. We can't even ask for, for answers. Look, we all understand how this game, if there's a concession and everyone calls Joe Biden the president-elect, all that does is increase the pressure on the people that are trying to bring these lawsuits and they're trying to get answers to drop it. Just forget all about it. That's all that really is about. It has no change in, in anything else. Trump has already agreed that their, Biden is you know getting his briefings and going through his process. You know, they... they Act like there's some huge threat here. Here's uh, here's Chuck Schumer talking about how we need to we need to rush right away to get Biden nominees through ASAP. Play seven.
5: Everyone knows that the Senate plays a pivotal role in confirming a new president's cabinet in the midst of this once in a century crisis. It's imperative the next administration can count on the Senate to confirm its cabinet without delay. So hearings on President-elect Biden's nominees should begin in January, immediately after the Georgia runoff elections. Let me say that again. The Senate should begin hearings on President-elect Biden's nominees in January, immediately after the Georgia Senate elections, so that key cabinet officials can be confirmed on January 20th and soon thereafter, which is traditional for a new president.
1: Oh, 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 whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh. whoa. Settle down, Schumer. Hold on a second. Did, did Trump have all of his nominees confirmed or did Democrats drag their feet on that one? You remember this back in 2016? Were they like, yeah, you know, Trump gets his picks, everything's fine, or did they delay? Did they slow it all down? Did they do everything they could to make sure that the process would not go smoothly? I just, I just want everyone to take a little trip down memory lane. Remember, when Republicans don't do what Democrats want, it's it's obstruction. When Democrats don't do what Republicans want, it's hashtag resist, resist the fascist, resist the fascist. Uh, Still waiting for Sidney Powell to release the Kraken. I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying it hasn't happened yet. So there you go. But why would we uh, why would we treat the Democrats? in any way differently from how they treated uh, Trump and the Republican Party in 2016. Uh, does anyone have an answer for that? In fact, I would argue that there, there must be consequences for the party that believes it's coming into power based upon how it treated the other party when the roles were reversed. Otherwise, what, what's the incentive for Democrats to do anything other than exactly what they did, which was to obstruct and to slow down and to make it as difficult for Trump as they possibly could, just out of spite. Didn't matter that they were grinding the, you know, grinding the gears of government with with sand in them. Right. Trying to just slow everything down and make it as difficult as possible. That was part of their strategy. Okay, well, guess what? Now it's part of our strategy. This is really where we, we need to understand the concept here of reciprocity. Right. Some of you will remember in a movie I reference sometimes in the show, Clear and Present Danger, what do they call it, Operation Reciprocity. And they uh, unleashed the CIA covert action team in, in uh, South America and, and the whole, you know, in what was basically in, in Colombia, the whole thing. Right. So, friends, reciprocity in politics is is uh, essential, I think. Because otherwise, people won't even remember. You have to show everyone, oh, when we do what they do, they claim that it's terrible, but they plan on doing it again, and they did it before. Do unto others. Do unto others. Democrats don't adhere to it. We're not going to adhere to it. I'm sorry, in politics, an eye for an eye actually does make a lot of sense. It does not make the whole world blind. I I disagree with those who think that we should now bend the knee and be buddy-buddy with the Democrats on policy here. Why? In, in response to what overture from their side? They still call Trump and his supporters Nazis regularly in the media. They, they still say all kinds of crazy stuff. Why should we have unilateral ideological disarmament? What's the reason? Uh, they, they don't Oh, well, because they want power, right? They want power. and And because they're so excited to go around telling everybody about how wonderful everything's going to be as soon as Biden people come back in all these geniuses of the Biden administration. Here's PBS reporter Yamiche Alcindor uh, paid in part by your tax dollars. Play 11. And
3: this is going to be a team um, with all their life experience, with all their work experience, with all their diversity and um, their diversity of thought and race, racial diversity, as well as gender diversity, gender diversity in terms of diversity. Um, their their, their skill set. I think that
5: what we see here um, is a group of women who are going to have to really build back the credibility of the White House. I we for for years now we've seen yeah. a press shop
3: um, that was adversarial with reporters. That was really about um, at times lying to reporters. That was about misinformation and spreading disinformation at time. I think they're really going to have to come back and prove. I think in some ways that this is the White House functions as a way of, of giving real information, accurate information to the. American American people
1: that's right you know what's much better for democracy and for america when the press corps thinks its job is to give a 24 7 back rub to the people in power which is what they're going to do to joe biden Hey there it is i got a little bit of a sore sore shoulder and you know i I'm, I, I know I, I broke my ankle so it's a little tender down there and healed but you know got the whole thing right that's what's gonna that's what you're gonna be hearing you're going to be hearing a lot of press people talking about how wonderful and brilliant Joe Biden is. And We're all going to be looking at them like, are you people out of your minds? This guy's a buffoon, a buffoon, but it doesn't matter. What does matter is their power. Oh, and then there's some of the actual nominees for this. Let's 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 dig into the, uh, the latest one here, um, who's supposed to be running OMB, the Office of Management and Budget. Hold on.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I
5: think you're seeing the the reality play out that I'm not sure they're ever going to do it. I I don't know that any of them want to ever have an on-camera moment where... Uh, They're forced to answer this question. I think they're just going to kind of let it happen. Now, there's a couple who have stood out there and said, "Okay, no, we got to end this uh, farce. Uh, Rob Portman put out an op-ed in in his local paper, and he named December 8th as that deadline when they have to um, say, "Okay, we're done. We've had enough of this. Uh, But I think that the perception is that Trump is going to be a force of some kind. I don't think any of us know exactly what that's going to mean or what that's going to look like. But if you're a Republican who's thinking, about okay i gotta win a primary election in a couple of years do you want that tape out there of you criticizing donald trump it may come back to haunt you we know how focused he is and how vindictive uh, he can be uh, if there are comments out there like that
1: yeah we everyone's also scared of trump or maybe they just want answers about what happened in this election you know it could be could be one or the other and and this whole oh obey bow down and pray before the great Joe Biden. Uh, sorry, it's not going to happen. But I had mentioned to you the uh, OMB pick, Neera Tandon is the person that, that they're talking about now as a possible. I've actually interviewed Neera Tandon. She's a a classic, uh, a classic, elite lib. And the progressives within the Democrat Party are all saying they're upset about this. She was at the Center for American Progress. I mean, this is exactly. If if you were were picking people based on the Democrat establishment for these different roles, you uh, you're you're seeing exactly that play out now with with San, or with the the Biden incoming Biden cabinet uh, alleged incoming cabinet, but it's going to be interesting because Republicans may be in a position depending on how this Georgia Senate these Georgia Senate runoffs go. Republicans may be in a position to say no to some of these nominees, and Neera Tanden is a Russia collusion truther. So start with that. Here's somebody, and she's deleted over a thousand tweets in the last 24 hours because people like me, and I yes, I did, did a little, do a little bit of trolling here, on the substance, right? I troll people on the substance. I troll bad ideas, politicians. I will call dumb. Sometimes I'll call pundits dumb too, or no, I do call them dumb too. But I try not to make it make it mean spirited. But on the substance, like if you were somebody that was saying the president is a Russian asset. Uh, you should be embarrassed by that it was a moronic thing and it does call into question your intelligence it should call into question anyone who really believes that is just not that smart i don't care what their i don't care what their sats what they say their sats were i don't care what they say their iq is they're just not that smart Uh, and she was a russia collusion truther so now she's had to do a whole lot of scrubbing although that stuff never really goes away that's the thing when you when you start deleting tweets then everyone just realizes that they're, they're going to find your cash deleted tweets in the Wayback Machine or whatever. And they use them even more. Uh, but be prepared for a lot more of this, because while they're telling us that, oh, people are on the right are bending the knee to Trump because they're so afraid of him and because of where the party is. There were a lot of folks in the Democrat establishment, pretty much all of them who were Russia collusion truthers. They were a part of that effort. It wasn't just that that's a general Democrat thing. There were individuals who forwarded the conspiracy theory, the unfounded fake news conspiracy theory that Donald Trump was a traitor for Russia and that that's how he won the election. And people who want to be in this next administration, the Biden administration, should be held to account for uh, for that. And if that means we're in a position to block their nomination to post based on that alone, I say go for it.
0: Deal with it, Libs. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The battle for Pennsylvania continues, despite what
1: you may have seen in the mainstream media. It's not over. There are lawsuits going on. And not only is the president still trying to get answers and overturn what he believes to be a false result in that state. Our friend Sean Parnell, congressional candidate, is also locked in legal battles to find out what really happened on election night and in the days after. He joins us now with his very up-close and personal view of the battle for Pennsylvania. Sean Parnell is a former Army Ranger, author of Outlaw Platoon, and congressional candidate in western Pennsylvania. Sean, thanks so much.
3: Hey, how's it going buck thanks for having
0: me
1: tell us first let's focus on your congressional battle against uh connor lamb which got a lot of national level attention the trump team was very focused in on this too uh tell us where it stands now where where this currently sits in the courts and and where you are
3: yeah so well this is and this is breaking news uh, you're the first person i've talked to about this today but uh we appealed to the supreme court of the united states uh on our case today. Uh, Basically, what happened here in the state of Pennsylvania, Act 77, is uh, Pennsylvania's no-excuse absentee law. It was passed in 2019. Uh, we contend that that law is unconstitutional and that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania government violated the constitutional rights of every citizen of this great Commonwealth because in order to change the time, place, <clears throat> and manner of an election here in Pennsylvania, you must do a a constitutional amendment. And so so in order for Act 77 to be constitutional, which, by the way, is the largest, uh, most sweeping electoral change in the state of Pennsylvania in 200 years, uh, in order for that change to be constitutional, it requires a constitutional amendment, which is two back-to-back votes in the General Assembly. It has to be advertised in two different newspapers for three months. And then, and this is, I think, the most important part, Buck, it has to go on the ballot in a a referendum so that the people have a say in how elections here in the state of Pennsylvania are conducted. And that was never done. And I'll tell you that, that I think the General Assembly here in Pennsylvania, along with the governor and attorney general, knew that a constitutional amendment was required. So they started the process, but they abandoned it. And I, I personally believe that they abandoned it because they knew that a constitutional amendment process would be difficult and onerous. But I, I also contend that that process is supposed to be difficult and onerous because changes to the Constitution can't happen on a whim. They require the voice of the people. Uh, and, and the Commonwealth government of the state of Pennsylvania didn't do it. So, so we took a, um, a case to court and made the, made, made the case that Act 77 was unconstitutional. In the Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania, we received a very favorable ruling that basically said, if the case goes forward to court and there is a trial uh, on the merits of the case, we will win because Act 77 clearly goes against the PA Constitution. Um,
1: what did hold on, hold on, Sean? Just so everyone, sure. what did Act 77 do?
3: Act 77 basically allowed the state of Pennsylvania to enact what's called no excuse absentee ballot. So in the state of Pennsylvania, our state constitution lays out two very specific ways that people can vote here, either in person or via absentee ballot, but with an excuse, like if you're sick or you have to work or military serve or something like that, right? Um, Act 77 changes that clause of the constitution entirely without and, and with the legislative the Commonwealth government didn't actually do a constitutional amendment to change it. And so um, the governor – upon upon our you know, very positive ruling in, in, in Commonwealth court, the governor immediately appealed to the PA Supreme Court. The PA Supreme Court is a 5-2 split. It's a Democrat supermajority on that court. And they dismissed my lawsuit with prejudice <laughs> – Within uh, I'm not even sure that the Democrats on the court read it, quite frankly, Buck, because uh, uh, Justice Weck put in his dissent that we haven't even found one instance of mail in ballot fraud. And I'm like reading this thinking the the lawsuit wasn't even about fraud. (laughs) We didn't even talk about fraud at all. So um, they dismissed it with prejudice basically on the grounds that we filed the lawsuit too late. But here's here's the kicker. I couldn't have filed it any earlier when Act 77 was passed. I wasn't even a candidate and would have had no legal grounds to bring a case. And so we filed the lawsuit as early as we could, uh, and they dismissed it for being too late. And because they dismissed this lawsuit with prejudice, right, they're basically saying that me as a plaintiff in the lawsuit can't ever challenge the constitutionality of Act 77 ever again. Like everybody in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania can do it. Except me. And so we believe, I mean, that that ruling was obviously upsetting for for a number of reasons. But 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 we believe that they are incorrect. And we recently appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States today. And we and we, and we hope they take the case.
1: How soon we're for everyone, we're speaking to Sean Parnell. He's a uh, combat veteran, army, former army ranger and congressional candidate out in Pennsylvania, was in a razor thin uh, fight uh, in a margin of, of victory there out in Western Pennsylvania against Conor Lamb. And he's now taking his case all the way up, perhaps to the Supreme Court. Sean, how long do, does your legal team expect it'll be before you find out uh, if the Supreme Court takes it up? And And then tell us what is the redress that you would be seeking from the Supreme Court? I mean, if they let's say they agree with you, let's say the Supreme Court takes it and agrees with you. So we're moving a few steps down the road here. Then what?
3: Yeah. So to answer your question directly, I, I don't know how long it takes for Supreme Court to evaluate uh, cases. I do know that it is difficult to get them to take a case. But, you know, I think we have a much better shot than most to have them look at and evaluate to evaluate the case. Um, and so I, I'm optimistic. Hopefully we'll find out soon. Uh, the, the grounds that that we're seeking an appeal on are basically does a state can a state government. Violate its own constitution when enacting laws on behalf of its people in a federal election. Right. Uh, you know, I, my my lawyer can probably talk about this with better ease than I can. Basically, the federal government delegates powers to the states for federal elections. And one of the provisions of that delegation of power and authority is that the state follow its constitution when enacting laws. Uh, for federal elections or, or even state elections, and clearly, I think it's pretty clear uh, that that the state of Pennsylvania did not follow constitutional law for the 2020 election. Um, now, the remedy is going to be a whole another thing. I mean, it's I, you know, the first question we have to answer is is Act 77 unconstitutional? I think it is, and I think you know that the, the ju- you know a judge judges can can remedy this situation in a number of different ways but you know you hear the left screaming online all you have to do is spend five seconds on twitter and see what they're saying about me about how i want to throw out 2.5 million mail-in votes and disenfranchise all those voters first of all that's not true but second of all buck what about the millions of pennsylvanians who never who never got a voice who never got a say in whether or not they wanted universal mail-in ballots anyway um so you know, I, I think that it, as, as tough and difficult as a remedy may be, uh, a court has to take this up. I, I personally feel like there needs to be some measure of – I mean someone needs to, to look at the lawlessness with which this election here in Pennsylvania was conducted with, and if they don't provide any sort of retrospective relief and, – and what that means is like saying, OK, you know, this is how we can fix 2020. We can have a special election. Maybe at least they can pr- provide – prospective relief moving forward and that, okay, 2020 was kind of messed up, but moving forward, we got to fix Act 77. So there's a number of different things that the court can do, and we're really deferring to their expertise to help us do it.
1: Speaking of Sean Parnell, former Army Ranger, congressional candidate out in Western PA. Uh, Sean, can you also tell us a little bit about what you know? I mean, I know you've got your own, as you've described for us now in some detail, your own legal battle over this congressional seat, Uh, but what is going on as you as you see it with the president's efforts uh, for his his legal team's efforts in Pennsylvania, which it it feels like if Pennsylvania were to change, anything is possible. But if Pennsylvania doesn't go, it feels like, well, how do we get to the how do we get to the end result? That this is that this is a different election outcome than we than we're currently being told it is. So can you tell us what's what's won in Pennsylvania?
3: Well, I'll tell you that I think the president's lawsuits about, uh, voter fraud or irregularities or systemic anomalies i i think it has merit buck and i can tell you just just based on my congressional race here in pa17 you know there were 13,000 ballots infused into my race mail in ballots right no excuse absentee ballots uh infused into my race the day after election day now my margin of victory on election day was supposed to be just over 13,000 votes Didn't matter. Like we knew exactly how many no excuse absentee ballots there were on the Democrat side, Republican side, independent and other. And even if those chips fell where they were supposed to and we split split independence, I split independence with Lamb, you know, 60, 40 or even 70, 30. Didn't matter how how those cards fell. I was still going to have a 13,000 vote victory. But there was a there was a 13,000 vote ballot dump the next day at 830. And 20 minutes after that, Lamb scampered out to the podium and declared victory. Now we have no idea where those ballots came from buck we've asked the allegheny county board of elections multiple times we've been stonewalled every time and so i you know when you when you when you're talking about the president saying hey look there's things in this election that don't smell good that that don't that that there are things in this election that that need to be looked into I i think that you know you know what's happening to me here in PA-17 is a microcosm of, of that problem. What happened to me here in PA-17 is what happened to the president in Milwaukee, in Detroit, in Philadelphia, in, in Allegheny County, which is where I was running. So I think the president's case has merit. Uh, and we just uncovered here in, in Beaver County, which 100 is 100 percent in my district, we looked at four different nursing homes and did a random sampling of 2,000 ballots from those nursing homes with a Freedom of Information request. The Republican chairman in Beaver County, along with the sheriff in Beaver County, and all the handwriting was the same on all of those ballots and signatures on those ballots also appeared to be forged. So it's important that we look into these things, Buck, because the state of Pennsylvania, 50 percent of the people in this in this state will never trust an election again if we don't. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, the, The challenge is, though, Buck, is that we're on a we're on a short timeline. You know, Uh, so we're trying to cobble together as much evidence as we can before the results of this election are certified in December. Uh, Our backs are up against the wall, but I think we owe it to the American people to push as hard as we can.
1: Well, Sean, we're pulling for you, buddy. Let us know how it how it continues to play out and stay in this fight as we know you will. One thing I can tell you folks for sure. Sean Parnell is a fighter. Sean, good luck in this congressional battle as it continues to play out. And thanks so much for giving us your time.
0: Hey, thanks, Buck. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Oh, look at this—a piece on CNN, China's mishandling of the early stages of COVID-19. What a shock to absolutely nobody, except perhaps people who worked at CNN. Isn't isn't this stunning? Isn't this amazing? Here we are now. You've got leaked documents. They're calling it the Wuhan files, a huge document trove about how China completely botched the early stages of the fight against COVID-19, lied about it, did all kinds of terrible things, um, lied about how many new cases there were, lied about just just everything. China, the Chinese government uh, lies more than CNN does, which is really saying something. I mean, that, That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Here are the CNN key findings, quote, Chinese officials gave the world more optimistic data than they had access to internally. China's system took on average 23 days to diagnose confirmed patients and testing failures meant most received negative results until January 10th. A history of underfunding, understaffing, poor morale and bureaucratic models of governance hampered China's early warning system, according to according to internal audits and a large and previously undisclosed outbreak of influenza happened in early December in Hubei province. So this is a leak from inside the Chinese government, and CNN's publishing it, and now CNN, of course, wants to be lauded as a bunch of uh, journo heroes for this, but let, let's remember something, because I certainly have not forgotten. CNN was willing to point to China uh, at different at different phases of this pandemic as better than trump on this issue right this is what we would always hear we would hear oh but china's managed to lock things down China's managed to do uh do better than than donald trump has well that's because china just straight up lies about how many people got this virus but there's a lot here as well when you look at the fact that china's numbers internally now there's some things about about the chinese government i think that have come out that are probably true because there's no reason for them to lie about it necessarily. Because I will cite, and I, I see I'm upfront about this, a Ch- major Chinese study about outdoor virus transmission that says no, there was basically no outdoor virus transmission. It happens indoors. More than 15 minutes of close contact indoors. That's how you get this virus. There's a large Chinese study. It's been published in some uh, some journals, you know, some medical and epidemiological journals. But when it comes to covering up for itself. Yes, that's where the Chinese government's going to lie or making itself look better than it actually should. That's where they're going to lie. And I just think it's interesting that now CNN is publishing this. I know they probably would say they just got the documents. Fine. But let's remember that when it was convenient, when it was convenient for opposition to the president, we were told that China was doing a good job and they got it under control and their mask wearing, I guess, you know, was was the was the key difference. Um, meanwhile they were all wearing masks I'm sure I'm sure if you were to look at mask compliance the whole time during the outbreak it was probably 90 99% plus and they still were ravaged by COVID-19 and had tens of thousands of people in the early days dying from it and they weren't even telling us I think they they claimed that 50,000 died I mean who knows what the real number is You know there were early early stage uh, or, or rather early on in this there was uh, reporting that the Ch- Chinese crematoriums you know, were, were going uh, for much longer periods of time and that it was, it was obvious that they were trying to cover up just how many people died from COVID-19 in China. And in fact, part of their state propaganda had been that they managed to control this thing with far fewer deaths. They're way better than America. Maybe America has something to learn from how China handled this. Well, I know that there are a lot of libs in this country who envy China's pure authoritarianism, right? Not not ad hoc authoritarianism, but whatever the Chinese Communist Party says, that's what happens in China. There's no check on their power. And I know that there are libs, there are Democrats who love that. But let's all remember that when it was useful to bash Trump, China's response was was treated as better than it should have been. And now that they're not worried about Trump's response to COVID anymore, at least it's not as much of the political issue as it was. Now we can finally see these news stories about how China lied and people died. Yeah, no surprise. There's a different word with S I'd want to use, but I can't. No surprise there. We all know exactly what's happening, right? We all understand that, of course, China lied about this, and now there'll be a greater focus on it. And what you may even see is a willingness now to blame China, which Trump was doing all through the campaign, to say, yeah, China allowed this to spread. China caused this to be a global pandemic when it could have been contained. Now they'll say that. Why? Because, one, it's not useful to Trump anymore. And two, Joe Biden's not going to be able to stop this thing. So they're going to need to come up with some kind of an excuse. Joe Biden's all, wear a mask. It's not going to stop it. We all know that. So what are they going to do here? Oh, that's right. Gaslight all of us. By pretending that we don't know what we know.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex and Show Podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for roll call.
1: Roll call. Facebook.com/slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. Uh, that's that's where we're at. That's what we got going on here. So please do send us stuff. And if you're on Instagram, Buck Sexton. If you're on TikTok, Buck Sexton's on TikTok. Producer Mark is excited for when I start doing shuffle dance tutorials. Because uh, I actually made that. That's obviously ridiculous and would be horrible. I actually may start doing some uh, some how to cook uh, red meat properly videos, though. The only problem is, Mark, there's already a lot of competition. There's some guys who've really got red meat game. You know, they're really they've got a good they do. They'll do like a ground coffee rub on their. I mean, they go to the whole next level. I've just learned how to not burn the crap out of it or undercook it so that it's raw in the middle. And I'm pretty proud of myself.
6: You're going to have to get your followers on TikTok first with your political stuff. Then you can move on to other stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's That's the way to go. Yeah, I gotta tell them. Gotta give them the scorching hot buck, hot takes. That's where we're heading with all this stuff. So, uh, so yeah, we got. Are do you ever do you TikTok right or no?
6: I, I don't make TikToks, but I definitely watch them. Oh man, it's,
1: if you ever if you're ever like stuck in a doctor's office, obviously wear headphones because you're not a savage. But anyone out there, if you're ever stuck in a doctor's office or you're you know waiting for something and you got internet access and you just want to blow through you want to blow through 45 minutes of time without even realizing what's happened just just open up TikTok and start scrolling you'll just it's amazing how much time you can waste with it you just sit there just bloop 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 and it knows what you want to see over time so then it gets even better at it
6: it's gotten oh, a gosh. lot of people through this year
1: yeah yeah well it's like we're all being you know reprogrammed lab rats by these social media companies and i think TikTok is going to be huge i think it's a big problem I think it'll become a big challenge to Instagram and Facebook. Um, I think TikTok is, they've got it. They figured out an interface here that, look, that's just my, I always thought Snapchat, it was way too much of the, look at me, I have a weird, like, mouse thing on my face, or, like, I have, like, cat ears on or Like, no, if you're older than, than 16, you're not doing that nonsense. You're not putting weird mouse ears on yourself. So I always thought that, uh, what's the, what's it called? Snapchat was kind of limited maybe it was for the for the teenagers for the teeny bops teeny boppers or whatever um that 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 was maybe going to be useful but not for anybody else i'm telling you snapchat is going to get really big and it's it is now being sold right to an. i got to check on this to an american company so
6: i believe Uh, so yes
1: yeah so i mean the chinese spying thing you know i think that may be a little overblown at this point but look i mean so china knows that i like red meat french bulldogs and cute animal videos you know what i mean well what's the big what's the big deal um, all all things that anybody who listens to this radio uh, show would know uh, you know the, the pet beaver is one of my favorite things that i've seen on tiktok as i've told you about um, makes me makes me very happy beaver is, is a lot of fun there are other other very cute animals that people have on it as well all right uh let's get to it facebook.com slash buck sexton thomas Hey, Buck, the slobbering of the media and the other swamp dwellers for someone who is, to most Americans, a true mediocrity is simply a matter of perspective. In Washington, Biden's lifelong career of larceny and lies is regarded with respect. They marvel at his ability to steal while looking his victims straight in the eye. Biden is a highly partisan and vicious hack and is celebrated for the cultivation of the fiction of his moderate views and temperament. Although there is no honor among thieves in Washington, they give high credit for the audacity of the con man. A very eloquent message here from Thomas. And I think uh, I think he is correct in in really in pretty much across the board. I think this is just correct. I think that people in D.C. that are in these swamp circles do view Biden as a man who has pulled off a tremendous amount for somebody who's really unimpressive. And no one thinks Biden is no one thinks he's that smart. No one thinks he's got good judgment. No one thinks he's he's been brave politically. He's just been there. And I'll tell you, this is true in a lot of parts of government. I can't speak for the military side, but I have had friends on the military side, good friends of mine who will say that a lot of people who rise up, you know, a lot of people who rise up to the very, very senior ranks, the brass, they're just the people who stay. They're not necessarily the best. I don't know if that's true in the military. I've been told that perception by many people who serve the military. I can tell you it's absolutely true in the intelligence community and in the federal intel bureaucracies and law enforcement bureaucracies. If you just stay and don't cause any problems and do what you're told, there's a very good chance you'll become seen. Maybe you won't run the place, but you'll be one of the people that are in a, in a high level position. You don't even have to be competent. You just have to stay a long time and do what the people in charge tell you to do. And you'll, you'll make your way up. And that's really been Biden's thing, except he's good with fundraisers. He did what the credit card companies wanted. And I look, I think credit card companies have gotten away with a tremendous amount of um, abuse aided and abetted by Congress. I mean, you know, if you look into this, I mentioned this because I think it's an outrage. And I was when I was younger and, and had no money, uh, I was on the wrong side of this a few times where they would change the date of a, you know payments being due and they wouldn't really inform you. And then all of a sudden your APR shoots skyrockets. You say, wait a second, what, what is this? They're clearly just doing this really just form of fraud. That's all they're doing. They're not operating in good faith. But all these things were allowed. They were legal. Because the credit card companies had politicians in their back pockets. So all these regulations about finance, I mean, how, how do you get working class people, you know, how do working class people get screwed over financially? Credit card debt, IRS harassment, right? Those are the two two top of the food chain for for screwing over people that are showing up, getting paid, doing their best, trying to pay their bills. They get, because people, oh, credit card no, you you're not running into trouble usually with credit cards because you know you bought that uh ATV or the jet ski, you know there's this thing of oh these big no, it's from just you know the car repairs, gas, food, car repairs, gas, food. I mean over time that's what builds up and when you're paying a 20 or 25 or 28% APR or whatever it is, really hard to get out of that. Right? So I'm I'm just saying this is a And this is only allowed. I mean, the the government, the the federal government could set credit card rates very differently so that the APR would be lower. But then American Express and, you know, Capital Capital One, I always thought was the worst. Capital One was really, really had some gross credit card practices. Uh, But there were others anyway. um, Yeah, but they like Biden because he played that system and stayed around for a very long time. Karen, I've just started listening to you on KFM, KFMB in San Diego. Thank you for a superb radio program. Well, Karen, thank you so much for very kindly writing in to us. And we appreciate that you spent time with with our show here. We love our KFMB audience in San Diego. San Diego is like my dream that I would actually go back in another life and live in San Diego. Um, And and you obviously have excellent taste in radio shows. Question. Are you as concerned as I am that the Georgia runoff election will be a -a rope-a-dope again for the Republicans? If the voting proceeds as the November 3rd elections, with changed voting procedures open to fraud, Stacey Abrams is already bragging about the 600,000 voter registrations they have received since the November 3rd elections. I shudder to think the Georgia runoff election is just going to be another stolen election and patriots like myself cannot keep participating in a rigged process. Uh, Karen, yes, I am absolutely concerned about what's going to happen in Georgia and that there'll be a replay Of many of the same problems we've seen in other states and Georgia in the presidential election on November 3rd in the national election, I should say, on November 3rd. So, yes, I am concerned about that. And I'm reaching out to people I know who are on the ground in Georgia so that I can bring you the best information possible about what's happening there. But, yeah, Democrats, this is more than this. This is the the people who are saying that we only want answers here because of Trump or we're afraid of Trump that are that are trying to poke us with that nonsense. What they're ignoring is that, no, there are Trump supporters like me for whom this is about not only Trump and his fight, but it's about more than that as well. It's about the next election. It's about the Georgia runoff. It's about the 2022 midterms. What, What really happened here? What fraud occurred? What irregularities were pervasive? If we don't know, we can't fix them. And if we can't fix them It's going to happen again. So it's not just about Trump. The people that are saying that are, well, they're just doing what they always do, which is attacking based on faulty narratives that advance what they want politically. John. Buck, I don't want to sound soft or like I'm jumping off the train with this, but I fear the lawsuits and the claims from the Trump legal team will not pan out. Because of the voter fraud claims, I'm afraid Trump will inadvertently suppress GOP turnout in the Georgia runoffs because they feel like they've already lost. And on the flip side, if these voter fraud claims are true, why are we to believe that we even have a shot at Georgia? Couldn't they use the same voter fraud strategy to take both of the Senate seats? No, matter what happens? I'm in the fight for freedom, though. Well, John, that's right. you got to keep that shield high, my man. Uh, That's what this is all about. Remember, shields high is is much more. It's the it's our it's our maxim. It's our slogan on this show. But, you know, you keep your shield high because you're in the fight, but also because, you know, you're taking incoming, you know, it it means the barbarians are swinging their axes at your head. You got to keep that shield up. You got to protect yourself and those shoulder to shoulder with you in the phalanx in the front line. Right. You got to keep your shield high. And that means that, you know, that they they're throwing arrows and slings at you. So it's it's not it's not you know hack your sword as as hard as you can. It's get your shield high, get ready for it, man, it's coming. If you want to fight for freedom, you want to fight for liberty in this country. That means you have to be prepared to take that incoming. It means you have to take those slings and arrows and prepare for it, be ready for it, endure it, and right? have the discipline to stay in your place in that line with your shield and high. Um. As for your concern about the uh, voter fraud in Georgia, it's just like—I mean—you guys are all on point here, Karen and John. Uh, people writing in see this. We got—we got real concerns here about what's going to happen in Georgia. If, if the Democrats' fondest wish here is that we're caught napping in all of this and we lose, that's what they want more than anything else. If they take the Senate, then it's then it's break the glass mode. We gotta—we re, have real structural political. Uh, catastrophe ahead. If they take the Senate, we have big problems. If we hold the Senate, we can manage. It's not great, but we can manage. If we lose the Senate, uh, I don't know. Producer Mark, if we got to leave the country, where are we setting up the Freedom Hut? Do you want to do like in like go to international waters and have like a houseboat? What are you thinking?
6: I mean, that could work. I always just say Canada because of hockey, no other reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, right. At least if you're going to have Marxism. Have it with people who are very polite and where there's great hockey and maple syrup and poutine and which I'm told is amazing. So I believe that. Yeah. So there we go. All right. At least at least have your Marxism straight up, have your socialism straight up as you would in, in parts of Canada would be a little cold for my liking. But nonetheless,
0: you're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More
1: roll call to a close-up shop here for the day in the Freedom Hut. We got Zeke writes, big fan of the Buckster. Producer Mark is clearly the engine that runs your show. You're a daily listen for me. I'm a better person. American every, and, and American every time I spend time with your show. Well, Zeke, that's such a high compliment, and we really, it means a lot. Thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, we, we, we do this show as a, as a labor of, of love and patriotism every day. So it means a lot to listen in. And, yeah, Producer Mark, don't let him get a fat head or anything over this one. But, yes, he's he's the guy keeping everything on the tracks. So I'm the creative. Producer Mark is making sure that I actually show up for the rock show and that the amps are plugged in and that it sounds good and all the rest of it. So, yay, you can all do a little golf clap for Producer Mark because he does those things and, and more and pulls together the clips and pulls together editorial sound that I use as the backbone of much of our of our segments right so yay golf clap producer mark but and you're not allowed to get i'm ha- not allowed to get pompous about it
6: but, but i have a fat everything else why can't i have a fat head well i
1: mean if, if we all know that if we're talking about head size here you know, nobody beats you I, nobody true. beats me i i had to tell family members over thanksgiving actually about my special hat order for my giant noggin and uh, people thought this was so funny and then they I, I, I think also that some of my it was some of my uh relatives significant others thought that i was kidding and no, I was not. I had, to get, I had to get special order hats. And now finally I can stop this game where people love to try to jam their hat on my head. Like, it'll fit. It'll fit you. Come on, Buck. I'll get it to fit you. I'm like, unless you're going to actually crush my skull and make it smaller, it will not fit. So I'm glad we've gotten past that.
6: I kind of want to get you to try and order like a baseball cap. Just to well, see. I had to
1: get a special order, a special
6: size one. I have one now. So the biggest like fitted cap on the rack... Like a meth nope. hat would not it fit doesn't you. Nope, doesn't that's work. Nope, that's crazy. Wow.
1: Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, let's see, Michael. Hey, Buck. Here's to the best show with the best host and the best producer on radio. I have a query that has been bugging me for some time now. I've been hearing about affidavits asserting observations of clearly illegal activities in numerous states. People instructed to backdate ballots, filling in addresses on envelopes, counting personal r- personnel running ballots through the machine multiple times as well as other actions there are affidavits observing things that at least imply illegality pristine uncreased mail-in ballots in numerous georgia counties ballots arriving in detroit in suitcases and garbage bags being dumped on a table and counted in the voting room without republican observers allowed tens of thousands of ballots arriving as a group with all the votes only for joe biden don't these affidavits create a reasonable suspicion to warrant a criminal investigation? Michael, first of all, thank you for recognizing this is the best uh, the best show on radio. So appreciate that. And uh, as for, yes. I mean, the answer is yes. That, that should be enough for a criminal investigation. I don't know where the DOJ is on this. Uh, my sources in the DOJ are being very um, cagey right now about, I, I can't get clear answers from them. So, I, I don't know. You know, I reach out. I'm trying to say, hey, guys, because I mean, look, they can't they can't tell you about an ongoing investigation. They won't talk about an ongoing investigation. But it's frustrating because I, I want to at least know, well, is there an investigation? You know, is it happening? We'll see. Robert writes next. Hey, t- hey, Buck, uh, team Buck, as always, thanks to you, all your team does to bring us information and rational analysis of the news. I'm particularly fond of how you approach the covid-19 lockdowns mask wearing and the fact that little dictators will not relinquish their newfound power until we the people say no more shields high robert thank you i'm particularly fond of that too because i think that's been the biggest single story the biggest fight we've had all year so i think my record speaks for itself on this one uh how early i got in on telling you the truth and look the water's warm for any other conservative pundits or radio hosts who want to jump in but until tomorrow friends shields high